to anywhere. It's all good. Amen. Mark chapter number 11. Mark chapter number 11. And, uh, but, uh, praise the Lord. All right. Man, I like preaching out of this uh, passage of scripture, but this is, uh, I've never preached this before <clears throat> or anything like this. Well, I ain't going to say anything like this, but I've never preached this before out of this. I'm going to preach from one verse this morning. Everybody say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. It ought to be a quick sermon then, right? And uh, anyhow, I mean, it ought to be a quick sermon. But anyhow, uh, uh, I will uh, just give you some other verses, but we're going to look at one verse in particular in Mark chapter number 11. And uh, there's not a whole lot in this verse, but uh, I, I've tried my best to put a good bit of study into it. And maybe, 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 maybe uh, we can uh, we can glean some things off of it this morning. All right. So if you're in Mark chapter number 11, I want you to say amen. And then I want you to stand up. All right. And uh, anyhow, and uh, I had somebody say, man, why in the world are we standing up? Well, uh, man, it, it's pretty good. I mean, if you if you love God's word, say amen. And you're thankful you got it, say amen. And so we'll do our best to honor it. And uh, and y'all keep me in check on this, all right? If it ever comes a time where I don't do this, y'all get on to me, all right? All right, so let's go and look, if we can, at verse, we'll start looking at verse number eight, all right? I'm going to read down through verse number 11 in Mark chapter number 11, but uh, we're going to start reading in verse number eight just so you can get a little bit of context. Now, uh, if you've been around here any amount of time, I preach a sermon on uh, Mark chapter number 11 in the first part uh, about this donkey. Is everybody all right? And uh, Michelle won't let me name it what I want to, but I call it from one donkey to another. All right. Is everybody all right? And uh, but anyhow, uh, uh, it, it is a story in your Bible of Christ's triumphal entry. All right. This is him presenting himself as king to Jerusalem. He's coming in and he's telling them, I am the Messiah. Not only am I the Messiah, I am the king of Israel. All right? And the people responded to it. In verse number 8, the Bible says, And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. So if you can imagine, he's sitting on this donkey that's never been ridden on, and he's coming into Jerusalem, and as he's coming into Jerusalem, people are going before him. They spread their garments over the donkey, and before him, they're wiping the street. They're getting everything clean as he is presenting himself. Now, uh, this is not the idea of a, a, well, it is. When you go back into Roman time and Roman culture, this is how the king would enter into to the city. And so Jesus is doing this, and here they are, they're strong in the way, and look at the next verse, and the Bible says, and they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Man, they were fired up. At this point, they had the belief that he was the Messiah. These people that were around him and these disciples, all of them, they were completely on board with Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's the King of Israel. And they thought he was coming in to do business. They thought he was coming in to take over. 
All right? And so the Bible goes on and says, Blessed, there's crying out, Hosannas, blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord, and blessed be the kingdom of our father David. So they understood what all of this meant by him coming in the way that he is. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked round about upon all things, and now the evening tide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. And so here they are. Let me go ahead and say this before we go much further. But this crowd that's screaming hosannas and that are blessed be he, he that come in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our uh, father David. All these things are crying out and crying hosannas and all of this. Just four days later, this same crowd would be crying crucify. Four days later, this same crowd would be crying crucify him. Don't, don't release him. Release Barabbas and crucify him, all right? But the Bible tells us in verse number 11, no, go back to verse number 11. This is where we're going to stay all morning, all right? The Bible says that Jesus entered into Jerusalem in that way, and the first place he went to was the, the temple. The Bible tells us that he went in and he looked round about upon all things. And then the Bible says he left. I want to preach to you this morning on what Jesus saw in there, all right? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. God, we sure are thankful, Lord, for the opportunity to come into your house and open up your word, Lord, and learn and glean from it. Lord, I pray this morning that you'd meet with us in a special way. Lord, may you get honor and glory out of everything that's done, and we'll be sure to thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And amen. You can have a seat. Thank you so much for standing uh, for the reading of God's Word. Man, I love this passage of Scripture. I love it because this is Jesus being honored for who He is. I mean, He is truly getting the honor that He deserved here on earth. Now, we know that wouldn't last very long, and we know that before the foundation of the world, it was set that Jesus would die for you and I. But here's just a little glimpse of what it could have been, right? Somebody help me. What could have been? And if they had received him, but like most, and like most in our day and time, they rejected him as well. But Jesus, the Bible tells us, goes to the temple and he takes one last look around. Now he would go back to the temple the next day, so this isn't the very last visit. But the Bible tells us in Mark chapter number 11 and verse 11 that he goes into the temple and he looks around. And so I want to preach just for a few minutes, I believe, is found right here in chapter number 11, uh, uh, some of it anyhow, of what he's seen. So the very first thing that I think that Jesus seen was the deception of the rulers. The deception of the rulers. Alright, so as Jesus walks into the temple, he sees the priest ministering. He sees probably the high priest somewhere in office in there and Jesus sees the deception of the rulers. Can I say this? This is still going on today. The people of the church, the leadership of the church, they're going through the motions and they look like what they're 
they're doing is godly, but the truth is a lot of the things that we consider church nowadays, a lot of the things that we see on TV, a lot of the things that we see on the internet and all of that has got nothing to do with God and more to do with the preacher than it does with God. How many of you understand what I'm saying this morning? Some of them got a bigger platform than God does. Some of them are trying to build a bigger platform than what God has. And so here when he walks in, the very first thing that he's seen was the deception of the ruler. Say, preacher, how do you know that? Because the very next verse, the Bible says, and on the morrow, in verse number 12, when they were come to Bethany, he was hungry. And then the Bible goes on, Miss Michelle, to verse number 13, and seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. So Jesus, I'm not going to read all the scripture here, so the next day Jesus comes and he come, he's hungry and he comes and sees a fig tree that has leaves on it. A tree that has leaves on it should have fruit on it. And so he expected to go and to grab a hold of a fig and to eat it. But when he got there, there was no figs on it. And if you know anything about your Bible, you know that Jesus curses this fig tree, which by the way is the only destructive miracle that Jesus ever did was right here in Mark chapter number 11 with this fig tree. No other place in scripture did Jesus do a destructive miracle. But here he used it as a lesson. He used it as a teaching point if you will and he cursed the fig tree because it looked like it had fruit but it had no fruit. I need somebody to help me. When he walked into the temple and he seen the rulers going about their business, it looked like they were doing something. But in reality, they were doing nothing. And so their appearance was a lie because in actuality, they were deceiving the people in the temple. And so as they walked in, Jesus takes this opportunity and he looks around and I believe the first thing that he's seen was the deception of the rulers. And so he gives a parable or a miracle uh, with the fig tree to show that when you have the appearance, I need somebody, y'all got to help me right now because some of you are saying, thank God I'm not a leader, I'm not a preacher, that doesn't apply to me, but there's a lot of people going around today that are professing to be Christians, but there's no fruit in their life. There's nothing, hey, you couldn't prove in a court of law that you were a Christian other than by your word. And I need somebody to help me right here. Your word ain't much anymore when it comes to your action. You can say one thing and act differently. Jesus walked into that temple and that is exactly what he's seen. The deception of the rulers. But number two, he walked into that temple and he's seen the depravity of religion. He's seen the depravity of religion because as Jesus carried on, as he left he left Bethany, he come, he cursed the fig tree, but he was on a mission. And that mission was going back to the temple because when Jesus had walked into this temple in verse number 11, he looked around and he's seen the money changers. He looked around and he's seen how they had corrupted the outer courts of the temple. See, for somebody to come and make an offering, they had to exchange money to uh, to be able to do this, to exchange currency. They had to have money for the temple. And so these people would come in from all over the place, and these money changers was taking advantage of them. They were robbing them. I need somebody to help me. Matter of fact, Jesus called it a den of thieves. In other words, this is a place where thieves 
thieves hide out and it was in plain sight right in the middle of the temple and so when he walked in he seen the depravity of religion religion has come has become nothing more than a money market it's become nothing more than people trying to make money I need somebody to help me this morning this is exactly where we're at in today's society there's so many religions out there that are changing their viewpoints they're changing their beliefs they're changing everything about their churches to accommodate people why because they need money and it's all about money bring the money bring the money oh you don't like Jesus that's all right Jesus is an accepting God you don't have to like Jesus you can still come and worship as long as you bring your tithe I need somebody to help me and we got we have convinced people the religious have convinced people that hey if you'll pay you can get your way to heaven if you'll give some more money God will approve of you can I say this God's not impressed by your money if you don't give another dime it ain't going to change God's economy if you decide right now I'm never going to tithe again know this the church will will prevail the gates of hell will not they can come against it but they will not prevail listen to me God doesn't need my money God doesn't need your money but these people they had made religion they had taken it and he had seen the ugliness of religion the depravity of religion this place I, I need somebody to hear me right here this upset Jesus because now Jesus has offered himself king they have rejected him as king and now he's going to go and offer himself to the Gentiles when he hangs on that cross it's going to be a whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and so at this point Jesus is starting to turn his ministry towards the Gentiles and the very place that the money changers are taken up is the only place in the temple that the Gentiles are allowed and so as they come into this temple Jesus looks around and he sees the he has the expectation that the Gentiles have a place to come and worship but they don't have that place because the exchangers are there and they are excluding they are kicking out those that are coming to the Lord the Gentiles now are receiving him the Jews are rejecting him but the Gentiles had no place in the temple so as Jesus walks into the temple he sees not only the deception of the rulers and he sees the depravity of religion but lastly and I'm done (laughs) that's just a lie I mean I got a bunch more it is the last point though All right, if that makes you feel any better But he's seen the delight of redemption. Oh, man. I got to looking at this thing, man. I'm telling you what. I got to thinking about this thing. And it just says that he went in there and he looked around. What did he see? In chapter chapter number 11, he goes to the fig tree. In chapter number 11, he goes in and drives out all the money changers. So I believe I'm right in line well, what Jesus seen in that temple and what he needed to do, the Bible tells us that it was even tied, had come. And so it was too late for Jesus to do anything that day when he walked in there. He said, I'll be back tomorrow. He be- hey, I need somebody to help me. He was the first Terminator. I'll be back. <laughs> Comes back in the next day, and man, he does business kicks out all the money changers. He makes a temple. He said, this is a house of prayer. It's supposed to be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. A place where thieves hide out is what he was saying. But he looked around that temple knowing that four days later he was going to hang on a cross. Knowing that four days later 
he was going to become our sacrificial lamb. I need somebody to help me. Knowing that four, di- four days later, he would present his blood as an offering to satisfy the wrath of God. And so as he entered into that temple, I believe he seen the delight of redemption. I believe as he walked in, he seen the brazen altar. And I think he thought back to that brazen altar and he might have done something like this. He might have thought back to some verses that would be written afterwards that says, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment so Christ was offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation and so I believe as Jesus walked in and he looked at that brazen altar he thought about the sacrifice that he was fixing to make the lamb that would be laid down on that altar the lamb that would take the punishment the lamb that would intercede the lamb that would take the place of those that were in sin I believe he come by the brazen labor I believe when he come by the brazen laver he thought about uh, maybe his brother Paul that would write later in Ephesians chapter number 5 verse 25 husbands love your wives all the husbands say amen all the wives say it louder amen but that ain't what it's about I need somebody to hear me that ain't what it's about he says husbands love your wives listen even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water, the laver. I need somebody to hear me. The washing of water that he might sanctify and cleanse it. You and I are the bride of Christ. You and I are the ones that he died for. You are the you and I are the ones he gave his life for that he might sanctify us and cleanse us with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish so when he walked into that temple he looked at the brazen altar and he thought just in a couple of days I'm going to hang on that brazen altar between heaven and earth I'm going to hang as a mediator between man and God I'm going to hang as a substitute between man and and God, he says, I am the Passover lamb. He walked over to the brazen laver and he said, he got to thinking, man, my bride's going to look real good when I wash her up, when I clean her up with the word. And then he got over there to the, he walked in and got to the table of showbread. I need somebody to help me. And John chapter number six, he'd go back in his mind to his own words when he says, for the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and give life unto the world. I need somebody to help me right here. He looked at the table of showbread, those six pieces that was on the table of showbread but his mind went back to who he is. His mind went back to what he had said and he said for the bread of God is is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said 
said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. I think when he looked over there at the table of showbread as he walked in, he said, I'm fixing to replace you. There's no longer going to be a need for you because I am the bread of life. When I give my life, those that partake of me, they'll no longer need this high priest that walks in here with sins. They'll no longer need the blood of bulls and goats. But now I need somebody to help me. They will feast on me. They shall never hunger. And they they that believeth on me shall never thirst. As he looked at that table of showbread, I believe Jesus went back in his mind and thought, I am the bread provided by God from heaven for mankind. Then he looked over on the other side. He looked on the other side and there was a lampstand. I'm sure he got to thinking about that lampstand a little bit. Boy, there's a beautiful picture of Jesus in the tabernacle in the lampstand and that it is one shaft and then it has many, it has six branches coming out of it. I need somebody to help me. Boy, it is in one piece and it is all beaten out of gold. It was a deity of Christ. It represents Jesus himself. He said, I am the vine and ye are the branches. But that thing give off light in that temple and Jesus said this. I believe he went back to John chapter number 12 in his own words. Then Jesus said unto them, yet a little while is he or or a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While you have light, believe in the light that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. Oh, but a few verses later he comes back I want you to I want you to listen to what he said he says I am come a light into the world. I need somebody to help me. Jesus looked over that lampstand that was providing light in that tabernacle and he said, hey, there's coming a time where you won't be used anymore because I am the light of the world. I am come to be a light unto the world. He said that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. In other words, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. They're no longer going to be in darkness and when Jesus walked in and he looked at that lampstand, I believe he said, oh, I'm fixing to replace you, buddy. I'm fixing, the real thing is here. No longer is it a symbol. No longer is it something that they can look forward to. No longer is it a foreshadowing of something that is to come. But I am here. I am the bread. I am the light. And then he looked over there at that golden altar of incense. Man, that altar of incense is represented anywhere in your Bible you look. It is the interceding prayers of the believer. And I need you to know something about our Savior you may not know. The Bible says, but this man, because he continueth ever have an unchangeable uh, priesthood. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Listen to this. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such a high priest came up became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens. No longer would the high priest or the priest of the temple go to that altar of incense and keep it burning because now our true intercessor was here and he lives forever. He would not die like the priests that were working in the temple. He would live forever and because he lived forever, he had an unchangeable priesthood. He was a high priest from the beginning. He is a high priest until the end. He is a high priest forever and he's interceding on mine and your behalf right now.
I think he looked over there at the golden altar and says, I sure am glad you're here. You've served your purpose for many years, but you're fixing, you fixing to be obsolete. They'll no longer need somebody to burn incense because I'll be sitting on the right hand of the Father. I'll be interceding for their needs. I'll be interceding for their sins. I'll be the one that goes to the Father for them as their high priest. Oh, I need somebody to help me. Boy, I think he looked at the veil and behind the veil he was thinking about that Ark of the Covenant. Boy, when he was thinking about that Ark of the Covenant, he went back in the Old Testament in his mind and he remembered what was in the Ark of the Covenant. Man, he got to thinking about those three things, those three items that were located in the Ark of the Covenant. You had the Ten Commandments, the tables of stone. You had the pot, the golden pot of manna. And then you had Aaron's rod that budded. I think he got to thinking about it, man. And he got went to Hebrews chapter number 8. It hadn't been written yet. Y'all stay with me, but he is the Word. How many of you know this? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It was coming. I need somebody to help me. And then he got to thinking about this for finding fault with them. He saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me people and they shall not teach every neighbor man or every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying know the Lord for all shall know me from the least to the greatest for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more there was a new covenant he come in there. He remembered that Ark of the Covenant back there. And that tables of the law, that Mosaic law that could not give a man salvation, that table of the law that could not be followed by man. I believe he went back in there and he looked. He got to thinking about it and he said, Oh, I'm the new covenant. The blood, my blood is a new testament given for them. Then I think he got to thinking about that pot of golden manna. Man, God wanted them to know that golden, uh, golden pot of manna. He wanted them to know, uh, God wanted them to know that he would provide for them I believe Jesus got to thinking about that thing and he got to he got to remember what he said back in John chapter number 14 and verse number 6 when he said I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto me I need somebody no man cometh unto the father except by me there's only one way Jesus got to thinking about the provisions that God gave, and he said, that's me. No longer are they going to need those table of co- those ten uh, uh, commandments. No longer are they going to need that Mosaic law. No longer are they going to need that golden pot of manna because I am that bread. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Then he got to looking at, got to remembering that Aaron's rod that budded. Oh, I need somebody to help me, though it was dead. Though it was dead, it was alive. Though it was dead, it budded. Y'all ain't getting it. 
He got to thinking about, oh, Lazarus. Lazarus died back in John chapter number 11. And here he was talking to Martha. How many of y'all remember it? Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he, uh, he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Jesus said, listen, you're going to see some things in the next four days. You're going to watch me die on that cross. But don't you... I, don't you be discouraged because just like Aaron's rod that was in that thing dead but it budded there's coming a day three days after I die that I will rise up and live again I will bud just like Aaron's rod Mm, man I think he got to thinking about that I got to thinking about that Ark of the Covenant those things that were in it I believe he got to thinking man there's a covering on it I need somebody to help me. See, there's another piece of furniture that's back there. It's called the mercy seat. It sits right on top. It's beaten out of pure gold. It's in one piece, and there's two cherubims that look over the place where the blood would be uh, uh, given, the place where the blood would be applied, where it would be put onto that. I think he went back once again to Hebrews, and he says, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Oh, somebody help me right here. But this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. God is our mercy seat. Jesus got to thinking about behind that veil there's an ark and inside that ark I'm going to replace all of it but there's a mercy seat on it what they don't know is that I am that mercy seat in the book of Romans I'm called the propitiation of sin you go and translate that back into the Hebrew and what Jesus is saying is I am the mercy seat see he had come to replace all the items in the temple and he had come to replace the mercy seat everybody asks where's the ark of the covenant where's all this stuff it's in heaven sitting by the, mm, I need somebody sitting on the right hand of God because you and I don't need it anymore. Our mercy seat is in heaven. He took his own blood to heaven and offered it before God in the tabernacle that is in heaven. Gave his, I'm I'm having fun. Y'all having fun? All right, now I'm done. See, he was, he was looking at that veil thinking about those things that were behind it. I need somebody to help me right here. But there was a problem right here. See, there was a problem right here. Because before he died, there was a veil that separated man from God. The Bible says that only the high priest could go behind that veil and he could only go once a year. So as Jesus was in his mind and he was thinking about those things that were behind that veil, he was sitting there looking at that veil. He was saying, boy, that veil sure is pretty. Boy, that veil sure is thick. But in four days, I need somebody to help me. As as I'm hanging on that cross, he said there's going to come a time and when that time comes he says I'm going to cry out it is finished and he said when I cry out it 
is finished. The Bible says that there is going to be a, a, a renting of the veil. The Bible says, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. I think he got to thinking about that offering he was going to make. He says, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us. Listen, through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. See, he was the veil. He was the one that hanged between man and God. And when he died for you and I, the Bible says that he cried out, it is finished. The Bible says that earth responded by quaking. And the Bible says that the veil in the temple rent from the top to the bottom. In other words, it wasn't a work of man. It was a work of God. And now all of us have access to God. We can all come into the presence of God. We no longer need some man in a dress going back there for our behalf. You and I can come boldly into the throne of grace because Jesus has offered himself for you and I. Oh, 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 I need somebody to help me. Jesus looked in that temple. He looked around. He said, oh, it's all beautiful. It's all beautiful. Matter of fact, the disciples told him, they said, God, look at the building. They told Jesus, listen, I, I, I can go back, but I ain't going to. They told Jesus, they said, look around you. Look at these stones and look at the building. The old Jesus wasn't impressed. He said, get your eyes off of this building. He said, because when they destroy this temple in three days, I'll build it back again. In other words, what Jesus is saying, get your eyes off of things on the earth. Get your eyes up to glory because he is the temple. He is the sacrifice for you and I. Amen. He cried out, it is finished. To tell us that. <laughs> it is finished. No more. No more. The Bible says, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down. <laughs> On the right hand of God. Woo! That temple had all kind of people running around. It had people that was ministering. It had the priest in it. It had the high priest in it. But when Jesus died, he went up. And the Bible says that he sat down on the right hand of Father. Hey, listen, there was never a time in the tabernacle, nor was there a time in the, the temple that there was a chair. Because the work was never done. But Jesus, the Bible says, after he offered his blood, not the blood of bulls and goats, but after he offered his blood, he sat down on the right hand of Father. Why? There was nothing left to do. It is finished. The temple is finished. The Jews, they looked at that temple. They, they worshiped that temple. They want to rebuild that temple. They had, their eyes are set on the wrong temple. That temple has already come. He's already been destroyed on a cross in my place. Three days later, he did just what he said he did, and he rebuilt that temple, come out of the grave and said, I am the resurrection and the life. Hallelujah. That's what he seen when he looked around. The question to us today is, what would he see if he looked around our church? 
Would the focus be on a building? Would the focus be on a chair? Would the focus be on an altar? Would the focus be on a pulpit? Or would the focus be on Him? Do we understand that this right here is just a place where we can gather together? I need somebody to help me. I don't care if it was outside. It ain't got to be inside. It's just a place for us to gather together. This place ain't important. Would he look at our church leaders and would he say, man, they're deceiving the people. Would he look at our church and say, man, they've made, they've made religion a money. thing about money. Thing, they've made it about everything that it was never intended to be about. Oh, I need somebody to help me. How would he feel if he walked in and seen us walking around in our Sunday best with a black heart? How would he, how would he, how, how would he respond, Brother John, if he come in and he's seen all the smiles and all the correct talk coming out of a fountain that had sour water in it? I need somebody to help me. Lord, help us. To keep our focus and our eyes on him. Jesus walked into that temple and he said, it's coming a day. It's just in four days. None of this stuff's going to matter anymore. It was a beautiful picture, but the Bible says it was a foreshadowing of he which was to come. Oh, are you thankful this morning? Come find a place at the altar. Heads bowed with me. Find a place around the altar this morning. Thank God. We no longer have to bring a, a bull, a goat, a lamb. No longer have to offer money. No longer have to do all that religious junk. Now we can have a relationship. Now we can have access to the Father. Now you and I can come boldly to the throne of grace. We don't need nobody. We don't need the Roman Pope. We don't need him. We don't need the Catholic Church. I don't need somebody who puts his pants on the same way I do going to God for me. God himself came down to earth and died for me. God himself is sitting next to the Father interceding for me. If you're in this building this morning, I'm going to ask you a serious question. If you died this morning... Are you sure you'd go to heaven? Say, preacher, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to raise your hand up. Nobody's looking around. Honest question deserves an honest answer. I'm the only one looking around, preacher. If I died right now, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand up where I can see it. You can put it right back down. We're not going to embarrass you or come to you. But we want to give you an opportunity. Because according to the Bible, if you die without Christ, you're going to go to hell. You can sugarcoat it, and we can, we can put all kind of fancy words on it, but the truth is, Jesus was very, he, he, he was very uh, blunt in letting us know that there was two places. Lazarus was carried by the angels into the bosom of Abraham, and the rich man died, and in hell he lifted up his eyes. Those were Jesus' words, not, not the preacher's. Those were Jesus' words, not religion. So if you're sitting in here this morning and say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. And there's a good chance you go to hell. Will you be honest with me this morning? God already knows. I'm asking you to be honest with me so I know how to end the service.
Preacher, if I was to die right now, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Anybody like that? All right. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Lord, church was amazing this morning. God, I thank you for a message, a reminder that though the temple in all of its beauty and all of its glory, it does not compare to you. God, I thank you for the offering that you made on that cross, the place of the skull, Golgotha, as you hung there between heaven and earth with my sins hanging on my cross, giving yourself for my life that I may come boldly to the throne of grace in my time of need, cry out to the Father, not on my behalf, but because of the finished work of the cross. Lord, I'm thankful this morning that it is finished. I'm thankful this morning, Lord, for what you did, your sacrifice for us. I pray that every person that's here this morning got a good glimpse of you, the temple of your glory. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, Jesse. Help us out this morning. Amen, Mark. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hey. He just got married. Somebody say amen. To that thing right there. Hallelujah. Hey. Praise the Lord. I'm so excited for them. Speaking of marriage, these two right here just got married. Y'all stand up. Church, y'all give them a hand. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right, brother. Amen. Praise the Lord, Pate. That's it, ain't it, Jesse? All right. Praise the Lord, man. Ain't that good? I think we got five to baptize in the 11 o'clock service. So y'all be praying for the service at 11 and the folks that'll come for that. And I know some visitors are coming for that. We're looking forward to what God's going to do. Y'all pray for that, that, that crowd. Because all y'all are saved. Y'all got everything together, all right? But they... They don't.